This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. John Isdell is the Director of Platform Engineering at Red Ventures. You may not know of Red Ventures by name, but you're virtually guaranteed to have been on one of their sites like Bankrate.com, Reviews.com, and CreditCards.com. They're a digital portfolio company with a huge consumer web footprint. And with that footprint comes challenges of scale, legacy code, constant iteration, and evolving staffing needs. Let's chat with John about organizing large teams to tackle these challenges, how to hire to handle pretty much every technology, and how to prioritize your organization-wide backlog. John, good to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ledge. Good to be here. Can you give uh, just a little background about yourself and your work, a couple of minutes, introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. So uh, my name is John Isdell. I've been doing um, IT for at least the last uh, 20 years. And when you start talking in decades, you know it's been a long time. Um, started out as, as an engineer um, and then started moving into leadership about 10 years or so ago. I'm, I'm currently with uh, Red Ventures right now in Charlotte. Yeah, talk a little bit about Red Ventures, if you, if you don't mind. I, I did some reading, but uh, you know, I don't know if everybody's familiar with a pretty, pretty massive company doing some interesting things. Yeah, uh, Red Ventures is actually, uh, I guess the best way to put it is a digital portfolio company. So bankrate.com, creditcards.com, reviews, my move, um, we, we own those. And we're basically using those to, to leverage other, uh, uh, I'm sorry, we're using it as for, for marketing for companies. Yeah, all of us have used Bankrate one time or another. Right? Yes, exactly. Right. So, and, and never put your email in those little boxes. I'm just saying, I don't want to cut you off at the knees there, but. I would greatly appreciate it if you uh, would. <laughs> um, that would be something we, we, would, we would like. <laughs> Have done and will will continue to do just yes, for you. I, I do it all the time as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is the what's the general DevOps and engineering story? You know, behind all that, I mean, you guys have been a major player for a long time. Tons of properties. I imagine you're dealing with all kinds of legacy infrastructure. I mean, I can remember going way back that that a lot of your sites were there far before you know, some of the, the more modern uh, stacks came around. So what are you running on? How's that look? Uh, tell us some stories. Um, yeah, so from what we run on at Red Ventures, I can just say, yes, we run on kind of everything at this at this moment. Um, the I, I came over as a director of platform operations, and what my team is trying to do is actually uh, modernize everything, uh, move as much as we can to AWS, to to the cloud environment um, so we can get away from some on-prem servers. But in this case right now, we have, you know, we have some sites in WordPress. We have some sites in Drupal. We have, uh, we have things written in Go. We have React. Um, basically anything, anything you can think of at the moment uh, that is either hot in IT right now or was hot, let's say five, six years ago, we, we still have. And how do you go about arranging, you know, human resources, engineers to even, you know, deal with all this stuff? You must have a lot of cross-disciplinary types. Uh, I imagine, you know, all types of engineering resources and, um, you know, debugging the Go stack is a whole lot different than, I don't know, you don't know, going back and debugging maybe the enterprise Java stack or something you might, might have. So. Yeah. And, and uh, with, with that being said, you know, being in leadership for, uh, 
for so long now with, with larger teams, I have a great benefit of hiring people who are so much smarter than me. Um, so going around the fact of how do we deal with it, um, really it, it, come, it becomes more of a, of a prioritization issue. Um, do, do you, for example, I don't know, try to troubleshoot PHP or do we work on a, do we work on a, a plan to, to get you to something else? Do we try to try to work what we can into the cloud? What, what is it that we're trying to do here? Um, so you, you do have, you have a bit of an issue where you have to hire people with a lot of uh, experience with, let's say the Linux stack, older stack, but also want to learn a lot more about uh, AWS, uh, Jenkins, Circle CI, um, even, even Bamboo. You, you name you name the technology. We need to find someone who actually has expertise in some part of it, but then also wants to build more, wants to learn more, and keep going and keep expanding their knowledge. And how do you choose which thing you should migrate to in any given case? Because you know today's hot stuff is going to be tomorrow's legacy nightmare that no one wants to maintain anymore. So I mean, is that an ongoing discussion from a strategic standpoint? It's got to change every single year. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it is ongoing. Um, and right now, you know, you're going to get to a point where you say, let's standardize, standardize on this for uh, the year, or the next six months. Uh, one of the great benefits of being at Red Ventures is the, uh, the, the culture that we have there. One of our main principles is that everything's written in pencil. Um, and if that's the case, then we make this call. We see how it works. Um, we start going. We we start going through some changes. See if it actually is a is a good fit for everyone. And if not, we can make some modifications to it. Um, and at Red Ventures, there's there's a point where you know sometimes you hear, oh, this is how our culture is, and this is what we we say we do. And then you get involved in it, and you realize that's not really what happens. Here is complete opposite. They actually we actually believe in what we say. We do it the best way possible. We leave the, the wood pile higher. All the uh, all the things like being written in pencil, you know, even from a leadership side, you have to realize, like, look, I made this call. I could be wrong. But let's let's figure that out and let's keep moving. And you have to make sure that your team knows knows that they can talk to you about that, that they can say, hey man, this really, you know, we I, I was on board, but eh, not anymore. You know, and that that's gonna be receptive and that you can, you know, make these changes. Um, and, and even sometimes when it's not receptive, you know, when I say, well, let's just try it a little bit longer, then I have to realize I have to give up eventually. <laughs> I can't, you, you can't keep doing the, the wrong thing. And if, if people aren't, if people aren't, aren't following suit, you know, you have to find out why that is. And generally it's just, uh, it's just a mistake in your process. It's, it's something that you thought was going to work, but just keeps dying, you know, which so many servers die, but <laughs> just keeps going wrong. And you want to, you know, you, you just want to, you want to make sure that everybody gets their say and that we actually, you know, keep the customer happy. We're, we're making sure that our, that our full stack is working and that if in six months we need to make a change or if in six days we need to make a change that everybody accepts that and communication gets out and we just go from there. What other tenants do you have besides, you know, everything's written in pencil. I mean, that's a, that's a great tenant that drives home, you know, sort of the, hey, we embrace change around here. What are some of the other cultural tenants that, you know, you stand by in the, or in the organization? 
Yeah, uh, one, one of them that's actually uh, one of my favorites is why, why I chose to come to Red Ventures is we leave the wood pile higher. Um, and from, from that, what, what that really may, means in practice there is Red Ventures has a lot of, uh, a lot of nonprofits that we work with. Um, one, of them, one of them, for example, is Road to Hire. If, if you have an issue where, for example, you can't pay for college, um, you're not going to, you know, your family has no money, you know, you're struggling with high school, et cetera, for whatever reasons. Um, you know, you graduated, you got through, you got a GED, but you want to go into tech, but maybe, you know, you can't find a place because it's, um, cause it's a very tough market out there. Um, this, this organization allows, uh, allows those students to come through an actual very competitive process. Um, learn, learn to code, learn to do some front-end coding, some back-end coding. Um, and then if, if all goes well, they actually start working with Red Ventures, full-time employees, uh, to get more experience. Um, and that's actually, to me, is, is, is a wonderful program uh, to, to be in and, and, work, and work through. Uh, the, you know, personally, we, I, I think we've all had those issues of do you go to school, do you not, nowadays with how much... Um, how much tuition costs, not everyone's going to be able to go. Um, so to have a program like that is, is excellent. And uh, another one, actually, uh, that I'm working, uh, I'm working with, with some of the, the people from it, uh, it's called Forward 787. Um, the, the CEO of Red Ventures uh, is, is from Puerto Rico. And when the hurricane hit, you know, he, he was actually looking and saying, okay, how can I help? So he went down there, you know, doing what everyone would do, bringing water, things like that. But then realize that the the issue of Puerto Rico at that time had you know had to do more with a brain drain, people leaving and not coming back and couldn't find jobs. So what what this Forward Seven Eight Seven does is they're actually uh, right now there's we, we have we have forty people, twenty who were in Puerto Rico, twenty people who were from Puerto Rico and uh, came to the states, and and basically you know I I don't know the the full the full terms of it, but. Um, as long as they committed to going back to Puerto Rico and actually starting working there, um, that, you know, Red, Red Ventures, we have jobs, we're trying to teach them how to, how to do the business and basically try to build the economy in Puerto Rico again. And I mean, to me, that was, it was really cool when I heard about, it, you know, hey, you're interviewing or whatnot, but now to see it in practice, it's, it's just, it's just amazing, uh, to give everybody to give everybody chances from both of those from the Ford seven eight seven or the uh, the road to hire to give them a chance to broaden their horizons on IT and you know do things like do things like I do and probably all your listeners just love this technology and try to figure out the next cool thing and you know help people along the way um, it's it's really amazing to me and that service mindset I think really plays into we're based you know, heavily on the free and open source ethos, you know, that that's how we got our start and, you know, being in the, the kind of the hacker community, do you guys, uh, you guys embrace that, that stuff as well and contribute back to open source projects? It sounds like that would fit well with the culture. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, 
I know that we do. My my team is working with a lot of open source tools. Um, you know, as we try to like Jenkins, for example, right? And as we as we do fix things, I know that people have have sent up commits. I can't tell you how many or anything like that. Wish I could. Um, but you know, I, I do know that. I mean, I think we're at something about a thousand developers or something now, um, and that's that's always the talk that I keep hearing. Um, so I again, I wish to speak more, but I I, I know for sure we do it. <laughs> So what's next, you know, as I don't know, you're planning um, next year's roadmap, you know, what, what are the, the key trends? I'm sure security, you know, quality assurance, you know, everything continues to level up how you set those priorities when you have a thousand engineers, you know, from a leadership perspective. Yeah. So, so security is, is really, is really key. Right. And, you know, we all try to keep up on it. We all try our best. We've got, you know, I think right now three or four tools that are scanning and, you know, letting us know what's going on. Um, so we always bake that in as much as we can when we're, when we're developing this, this platform where basically it's a, it's a cloud hybrid full CICD. So your developers can just say, oh, I want, I want to do this and go and I need it to support 10,000 people, et cetera. Uh, that we have, you know, good omnis in place where you're actually building out these, uh, you know, these images and, Make sure that we're using, you know, we're using lambdas, we're using ECSs, whatever it is we have to do, um, and you know, you make sure things, you know, like S3 buckets are public, for example, right? You know, <laughs> um, but those are all things that you want to bake into your Terraform that you want to, you know, you, you want to work with and just keep checking and making sure because you're, you're never going to be perfect um, with that. But you want to have your framework and your guidelines. And for my team, we work hand in hand with with our security operations team. And uh, you know, I think I've heard in one of your shows prior that kind of all these lines are being merged now. It's not just DevOps. It's not just security ops. It's not just developer. You know, we we all kind of have to work together. And if you're not if you're not putting in a, a patching strategy or you're not putting in a security strategy around anything you develop, even if it's just a even if it's just a static HTML page nowadays, <laughs> if you're not doing that, you're opening yourself up to, to any sorts of, of malfeasance or, you know, any problems out there because it, it only takes one person who just is bored and really smart and at a computer to, to take you down, take data, look at what happened to Marriott, um, you know, to, it happens across the board. I think I heard a couple more today. So it just keeps happening, and you you have to you have to stay on it and and be vigilant from the security perspective. So that when you ask, that's kind of what's been my main driving, uh, especially towards the end of the year and going into next. That's where we've really been focusing on. And how do you get that security mindset across the culture? You know, everybody writing code needs to be thinking about that. And of course, you know. Um, upstream in your ops process and downstream in your QA process, you know, you can be scanning, you can be, you know, looking for vulnerabilities. Um, but, you know, obviously it does go down to each individual engineer. You've got to write security compliant code, which means you really need up to need to be up on, on standards and practices that you probably weren't two years ago because you know, unfortunately not enough people were, were talking about security. Yeah, no, that that's very true, and and fortunately, we you know we we do have a security team on its own as well, so they always keep you in check, which is great, right? Um, but but separately, when you know when you're in your teams, when you're just leadership of another department, like in this case, in platform, if you're uh, do if you're IT leadership and development, that always ends up becoming at least in my side part of the scrum. Uh, 
part of what you're working on this week, what you're looking at, um, and you just make sure that uh, that leadership is all in a line, right? If you have team leads or managers that are uh, that have some that have your direct reports, you want to make sure that that's always a constant conversation. Um, and for me, you know, uh, I'll I'll look at you know look at different blogs, different websites. Here, here's here's the latest issue that we have. Oh, you know, way back when LibC has an issue. Do this Heartbleed, you know, you name it. Um, this is what we this is what we have to look into. I've done that continuously, and whatever the next zero day attack is, we're all gonna know about that, right? Um, you know, when you move to to something like AWS and you do you do more things in the cloud, it gets a little bit easier, um, only because the infrastructure isn't 100% yours. But just because you're in the cloud, just because you're at, you're at AWS or you're at Azure or you're at Google, does not mean that you can stop you know, scanning your systems and making sure that your passwords are okay and, you know, uh, using two-form authentication. You, you have to keep doing that. You have to remain vigilant on it because the minute you don't, somebody's going to find a way in. Sure. And, you know, they say like some enormous percentage of breaches are, are really just social engineering attacks. So it, it is so much about that human culture. You can train the technology all you want. Um, but if, if someone gets breached, you know, and their Twitter account uses the same password as their, you know, root password, then, you know, it's game yeah, over. Very true. And actually, uh, part of our part of our wind down, our chief security officer was telling everyone to go home uh, over the over the holiday and change all your passwords everywhere <laughs> just to be safe. Right. And that's just but that's the that's a culture there, making sure that everyone does it. And what's also interesting, you know, for uh, for anyone freelancer or works, you know, as someone in leadership, I find myself saying the same thing 50 times a day. And I always apologize for that because I never know if I told that person three times a day, <laughs> if I told the same person the same thing. Um, but as long as you keep that message consistent, you know, people will start following and start thinking about it. And hopefully the next day they'll be like, yeah, I remember you. I remember you mentioned a change of password and you get on that. <laughs> So I ask everybody this, you know, obviously we're in the business of evaluating, you know, locating, staffing, um, always bringing to bear the best of the best software engineers. And, you know, we have very strong vetting and heuristics for doing that, you know, proprietary system, but in good lean fashion, you know, we're always trying to make that better and constant sure. improvement. So every tech lead that, that I talk to, you know, on the podcast, I like to ask what are your key heuristics for identifying, you know, just the, the very best software engineers that you can add to your team, you know, when you're hiring? Sure. So I mainly, um, when I look at it, let's say, I want to say team fit, culture fit, things like that. So like with, from the Red Ventures mindset, how, how do you feel if things change? You know, some people want everything very strict and I just do this and this is what I do. And that used to be okay, honestly, 15 years ago. That, that, was a, that was a great mindset, right? You want to be 100% perfect on what you do and keep that going. Nowadays, even the work is agile, right? It's not just the, the tickets or the scrum board. It's, it's, oh, I'm working on this right now. Oh, wow, that's incorrect. But let me, let me make an update and a change and communicate that out, right? Or just build an automation that I don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, so I always want to, I always want to keep up that, that you are acceptable to change, you know, in life, the only thing constant is change, you know, I believe that my whole life. So you, what you want to keep that going. Um, 
do you have a good sense of humor? <laughs> are you a good person? Are you looking to actually make things better? You know, when you're, when you're with a team and whether it's remote or, you know, you're right in front of them, you end up spending more time with them than you do generally with your family. I mean, you just do. Um, so you have to make sure that you get along. You have to make sure that kind of we're all, we're all, going, uh, we're all going in the same direction. Like we want to learn something new. We want this to be better. We get, uh, one of the other tenants is we get better every day. What does better mean? You know, do I learn more? I, do I, if, if I'm a junior tech, do I learn to communicate better with other departments and you know, update a ticket or something and say, hey, I'm working on this for you. I'll, I'll, I'll get you in a minute. Um, or do I, do I literally get better at development? And I, you know, from a development side, I also know how to do a Lambda and AWS. It's not just, you know, uh, you know, my, my own side of the world. Am I, am I looking to keep learning? Like if you just say, you know, you know I, there's so many times that I've had to tell people, cause I think it's just, it's, it's a human nature. They'll say, well, you know, I didn't go to school for this. Is that, is it okay if I'm still in? Yeah, that's fine. I don't, from what I understand, I don't think Steve Jobs finished school. That's cool. They learned it. And so did Gates, right? Um, so, you know, I'll help you build that confidence level as long as you're also going to have a little bit of, of confidence in yourself that you, you can do this job. Generally, if you've done this, you know, for even a couple of years, you should have a little bit of confidence that I, I can knock this out. Um, so I, I'm looking for those sort of things, too, when you're interviewing and you're, you know, you're actually talking to somebody. Um, and in the case now that you kind of have a larger team, um, you know, and I think this is, this is a, a leadership's prerogative, but as you build a team, you start realizing, oh, um, you know, I have people who are really senior at Linux, but I don't have people who are really senior at AWS, right? Or Azure, you, you name it. So now I'm going to start looking for that, that bit of, of that, uh, of that technology or that skill set as I start interviewing people. So sometimes that happens too, depending on what's actually going on. You might, you know, maybe you came in with all AWS, but you just hired five AWS people. And now we're starting a project on, on Google cloud. So now I'm like, Oh man, okay, maybe I need more Google cloud people. <laughs> and that, that just ends, that just ends up happening as you grow a larger team. And you've got a thousand people out there. Do you have some kind of internal mechanism where you can say, you know, somewhere in that thousand, there's a representation of, of every possible permutation of, of all these technologies. Do you go shopping internally off your bench to say, in fact, well, we actually do have those experts. They're just doing something else right now. Yeah, absolutely. That, that definitely, that definitely does happen. And, you know, you, you get to a point of, of no matter how big you are resource constraints, right? Um, so you'll have one team say, well, I need a dedicated person or I need like, you know, this person or, and I'm, I can't do that because if I did that, everybody would take your dedicated person. And, and as it is right now, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of competition on the engineering side. Right. And then also, you know, you're going to get engineers who say, well, no, I really just want to focus on security with AWS, for example. So I don't really want to know about PHP, WordPress. I don't really care, you know, <laughs> um, but I go, but you, but you need help and you have to build out, you know, from all those books, you know, not just I-shaped engineers, T-shaped engineers, E-shaped engineers, et cetera, right? You want, you want to try to do that because I, I feel that when you have people in that regard, they can talk to more people. So this way you can utilize them for many different teams 
and actually have a uh, have a good collaborative effort uh, around other departments. Okay, so last question. It sounds like you know quite a large engineering organization, and you have had success building and managing remote distributed workforce, probably of, of all different types. You got consultants or freelancers. You've got you know in house. You know how do you balance all that out, and you know make sure you have the right mix of people. And how do you manage that well from a distributed standpoint? Uh, and I ask that because a lot of clients and, and companies in general are now struggling with that mandate to have to go to distributed workforce. You just simply can't get the talent unless you think that way. You hire different types of people. You know, if, if they're 1099 or W2, you hire different people that, uh, you know, some are working from home, some are working from offices. How do you put that together you know, in your management and leadership strategy to, to deal with that new mandate that is really driven by, um, you know, a labor market that simply says, you know, the best talent kind of is going to work where they want to work now. Absolutely. And actually, uh, you know, it, as, as an organization, um, as Red Ventures, just, I believe now we have seven global offices. Um, so, you know, you have people in Brazil that you're working with and UK, et cetera, and, and across the United States. Um, and you know, for for a lot of my career, I've I've worked with uh, with offices around the globe. I was in futures trading for a long time, so you had to go Singapore, Japan, Sydney, etc. Um, so it's it's been something that I've that I've worked on for a while. One thing that I think has been successful is over communication. Um, what ends up happening when somebody isn't in front of you is that you know sometimes you forget they exist. You know, you're going with uh, you know you're talking to the guy next to you because it's easier. Um, but now we have Slack or we have, you know, Skype or, you know, name the tool where you can actually have communication. Um, so you want to make sure that you that you have, you know, a lot of that happening. Um, you know, sl Slack is great because if you have like one team, for example, platform engineering, you can have everyone in that room and that's who everyone's talking to. And then they don't, you know, I, I'm also a big proponent uh, when you do remote offices, please, please have your picture there. Have a picture of yourself, not some avatar of I don't know what, um, because it, it does make it more personable when you talk to somebody, when you're slacking them. I know what you look like. Um, so that's, to me, I found that very helpful. Um, but you have to make sure everyone's included. Um, I remember, you know, reading some management books a while ago is that uh, apparently the same psychological effect of being left out in the wilderness by your tribe happens to you when you're not invited to a meeting. <laughs> I don't know why, but it, I guess it's just how humans work. So you have to make sure everyone's included. You have to, even if they can't make it to a certain event, you have to let them know what's going on. And hey, then if you can, great, show up. If not, here's what we're going to do for you. So you have to make sure that they're always engaged and always part of the team. And sometimes that also means giving them work that you think isn't, that they can't do because they're not here. Um, and, and that's that's really a different mindset from leadership, but you also have to bake that into your your in your team or weekly meetings or whatever it is that you do to say like, hey guys, remember, you know, this person is here and he can you can reach out to them whenever you want to. Um, and then as leadership, I always feel sometimes you have to make that you have to make that effort more than others and say, hey, I, I was talking to this person and they said this. Would you mind slacking them and talking to them? Um, you know, give them the JIRA, have them work on it, et cetera. But you, you generally have to be that communication catalyst or 
you know, it'll just fall through the cracks because you've got a lot going on that day. You know, your engineers are very busy. So it's, it's kind of sad that as leadership, sometimes you have to take yourself away from the tech because I think that's why we all got into it. We love technology. We want to learn more. This is so cool how this can, this can happen. But when you start dealing with larger teams, you literally become a cheerleader and the communication person. <laughs> Great insights, John. Thanks so much. It's, it's good to have you on and I appreciate uh, all the smart thinking. Thank you very much. I, re I really appreciated the time. And I guess now I'm going to go play Fortnite and do the floss dance. Huh? <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io slash podcast to get in touch. And we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.